umgoblue.com by fans for fans since 1999 hello welcome to this edition of the umgoblue.com podcast this is phil callahan along with clint derringer and we're here to preview the michigan rutgers game well clint what does the sp plus say about this matchup for the wolverines that's uh, pretty optimistic if it the numbers spit out a, uh, I, I think it was a, a two-score win. I, I was just pulling up the article, but um, not as it's more optimistic than I am, and you know, and, and I think it's because there's still a significant amount of preseason rankings that are involved in the in the metrics, um, in the algorithm that Bill Connolly uses, and I, I linked in my preview, I linked to an article that he wrote where. He mentioned that if you took out the preseason rankings and just judged on the four games that have been played in the Big Ten, then Michigan would probably be in the 60s overall, ranked in the 60s, which is the bottom of the Power Five. Um, but right now, with the preseason rankings in there, they're actually sitting at 27th overall. So, um, it's like I said, I think that there's a little bit of paper dragon or, or fool's gold baked into the numbers right now. Um, but we'll keep an eye on where we'll know when those preseason rankings come out of the algorithm because uh, they'll drop to, uh, you know, somewhere somewhere around 60. So I think the interesting thing for me is as, as much as we love to break down the SP+, the fall that we've seen, you know, the, the huge fall that Michigan has been on, and I think uh, I was thinking about one thing that you mentioned earlier this week is we find out how low Michigan goes, right? It kind of reminds me of the limbo song, right? It's like, how far can you go? Can you bend over without falling down completely? And Michigan has fallen quite a bit over the last three weeks. And, you know, you wonder, could they lose to Rutgers? I, I think they could. You know, if if there's any year, this would be it. And, you know, I think that, you know, we said it last week, it was really important for Michigan to come out strong in the first half. You know, this week, they need a win, okay? If they somehow don't manage to win this game, um, you know, I, 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 I mean, I can imagine how dark the despair would be. But, um, again, this is, you know, I, I think, I, you know, after last week's game, I said, wow, the outlook is grim. I can't imagine, I don't want to imagine what it would look like um, you know, and also you have to think about what it would mean for recruiting and Michigan's national reputation because this is a primetime game, okay? The nation will be tuned in. You know, it's one of those things, you know, there was this talk about how, uh, you know, people uh, like to, uh, there, there's a segment of people who like to see disasters, right? They tune in to see wrecked buildings, train wrecks, uh, accidents, wreckage, debris, and I kind of feel like that that's where Michigan is right now in, in the football world, that people are tuning in not because they want to see a great, uh, a great Michigan team or, or a great, you know, Michigan comeback, but there's a lot of people who are just, just watching the descent and wondering, you know, you know, I always call it like the dribble. Okay, when are you going to bounce back? Okay, how far is the ball going to drop before before you get that bounce back? And, and I don't know if we're there yet. I certainly hope so. Well, I, I think, 
you made a lot of of good points. I did look up those specific numbers. The Connolly system is is predicting Michigan by nineteen point three, and then actually spit out a, a projected score of thirty seven to seventeen. So I uh, again, that's much more optimistic than I am. That's moved since the preseason from twenty four points down to nineteen. So it's moved towards Rutgers by about five points. Um, and again, I think that's a little bit understated. But your your point about seeing how far this is going to drop, you know, I, to me, the bottom was still in, in week two when you lost to Michigan State, and not only because of the additional pain of a rivalry week, but uh, also that, that so far that's the worst team that they've played. And um, Rutgers, at least by the numbers, is statistically worse than Michigan State. Um, you got to remember Michigan State turned the ball over seven times in that game that Rutgers won in week one. So um, I think if you put the three of those teams, Michigan, Michigan State, and Rutgers, into the barrel and, and shook it up a bunch of times, Michigan probably wins half or more than half of those games, depending on how many they play. You know, But um, that's certainly not a, a strong endorsement for, for where the program's at right now, of course. So I, I expect Michigan to win. Um, but they're going to have to play well to do it. They cannot make a lot of mistakes and continue shooting themselves in the foot. And uh, obviously another big part of it is who is healthy. Um, I, I, I don't think we're going to see Aiden Hutchinson, probably not the rest of this year, uh, given that he had a, a fracture in his foot. We don't really know the severity of Quiddy Pay's injury. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he gets back this season. Um but on the offensive side with Jalen Mayfield and Ryan Hayes, um, those two I do expect to be back relatively soon, hopefully this week, at least one of them, um, to protect uh, either Joe Milton or Cade McNamara, whoever actually steps into the starter's role after Jim Harbaugh said he was going to open the competition back up this week. So there's a lot of question marks still for Michigan. Um outside of just poor performance, you know, there's a lot of personnel swapping going on. So um, they're going to have to play well enough and, and cannot make very costly mistakes. They just do not have, they don't have that kind of room um, right now. Uh, they, they should still theoretically have a talent gap over this team um, in Rutgers. But uh, if they are, if they're making those big mistakes and, and setting up Rutgers with short fields, um, and then, then it's it's going to be a long night again. And you know, Rutgers is, hasn't scored less than twenty points against anybody yet. And they've already played Ohio State. They've played a good defensive team in Michigan State and, and Indiana. So this team is um, is certainly more dangerous than a normal Rutgers team from year to year. But uh, Michigan is is dropped low enough right now that um, they really need to come out and play their best game. I, I think this game might end up what we would normally think of as an Indiana game uh, in, in whatever we would call a normal year to where you, you better bring your, your absolute best and, and be ready to punch back because this team is going to score some points and, and going to make some plays. So Michigan's going to be challenged. What's interesting for me is, like you said, this isn't a typical Rutgers team. Well, you know, Greg Schiano's back helming uh, Rutgers. And I think back, you know, as Michigan has turmoil in the program, I think back to 
when Michigan was looking to replace Lloyd Carr and that Greg Schiano, depending on what account you uh, listen to, uh, had had decided to come to Michigan or was very close coming to Michigan and, and could have been uh, our coach instead of Rich Rodriguez. So it's interesting for to see him back at Rutgers. He's definitely a coaching upgrade for them. And I think that, uh, you know, what better way for Rutgers to announce itself but to overcome Michigan. So, again, you know, we, we've said this in past years, you know, every team plays Michigan like a rivalry game. Every team would love to come up and bite Michigan. And when you see Michigan uh, bleeding and wounded the way uh, the team is this year, um, definitely everybody, you know, everybody has that has that game circled and uh, Michigan looks vulnerable. So it'll be interesting to see from that perspective uh, what Rutgers can do. So, you know, in our last podcast, we spent a lot of time talking about the turmoil that we perceived to be uh, in the Michigan program. I'm wondering, now that you've had a couple days to, to reflect, um, what are your thoughts on that? How do you, what are your thoughts on the program um, after having a couple days to think about it and, and digest what we saw Saturday and what we heard from Coach Harbaugh after the game and the players after the game? Uh, a, a couple things. The the first being sort of an, an indictment of the of the program that we mentioned before. What was that? How well the coaches can teach and connect with the players through a strange off season was going to be potentially a competitive advantage for Michigan, but it was going to be very telling every game. And, and it's been so, so disappointing that clearly Michigan is at a disadvantage with um, in that aspect. They, they just look really poorly prepared at the beginning of every game. Um, so that that's kind of sinking in a little bit to me um, after these last couple weeks, uh, that frustration, but also, and you and I have talked about this both privately and, and on the podcast here that I, there's a lot of, chaos and, and turmoil that comes with making uh, a change in the program and the calls, um, the anger and the frustration and the calls for Harbaugh's job are, are justified, you know, without, you know, full stop, they, they are. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's the only option, as I've said before. It, it does remind me very much of the aftermath of the Appalachian State and then the loss to Oregon in 2007 um and even before that the folks that that were calling for lloyd carr's uh head um it, it, in that era opening up that can of worms and, and and just burning everything down to the ground is is not the only option that you have but it comes with a lot of a lot of challenges so i i hope um that the program is is only making a decision like that if they have a, a an option that um, that they're really going to pursue aggressively, you know, we don't really want to see a, a coaching search similar to what uh, Michigan State had to go through um, at the end of the D'Antonia era. So I, I think it's it's dangerous to do that, but it's we're at the point right now, performance-wise, in, in 2020, that you at least have to consider it. I think, and uh, 
the other the other mitigating factor, the other important factor, really, I wouldn't call it mitigating, but the the fact that Harbaugh's in that entering the last year of his contract and the budget crunch that you've discussed uh, already um, just makes it even tougher. It just makes it even tougher on the university to uh, invest a, a huge amount of money into um, you know top tier coach money into uh, a coach that is not producing results. So I think that there's um, a lot of merit to, to those calls, but I still caution to, uh, to anybody listening from, from the Michigan fan base that firing Harbaugh and moving on and then hiring a new coach is while I, I, I am convinced that it's a viable option it is not the only option, and there are ways to to make this work with with Harbaugh still as the head coach. Uh, although there there has to be a a lot of structural change, and I think the onus falls directly on Jim Harbaugh to to kind of prove and reprove himself to you know his his bosses ward manual and above at the university and, and to the fan base. I think he, he has a lot of amends that he has to make in terms of performance and, and with his own program um, because something right now is clearly broken. So it's interesting because I received some emails and text messages and calls from people this week talking about, um, you know, how bad is, the economic crunch that the university system is under because of COVID here. And, you know, we went over the numbers and depending on um, what you look at, it's either, uh, you know, it's somewhere between 500 million and a billion dollar loss of revenue this year. And, you know, that that's going to hurt. That's going to leave a bruise. And how I describe it to people is it's, it's kind of like when people ask about the football program, it's like your house being hit by a tornado and somebody driving by it asking when your Christmas lights are going to be up, right? I mean, it, it's it's really a, a, a thing in scale that you have to consider that there are some definite large issues happening and some things that are going to have to be addressed. And again, when when they get down to Harbaugh, uh, it's going to be, it's a rough picture, right? So, you know, again, we've talked about, you know, if, if there needs to be a change in the program, I think... Something that we need to consider, that's something that, that probably hurts to even contemplate, is what kind of destination is Michigan for potential head coaches, right? Um, you know, Michigan fans think that Michigan is an elite job, right? And I, I have to think that if you're a top-tier coaching candidate, if you look at what Rich Rodriguez went through and you look what Brady Hoke went through and you look at what... Jim Harbaugh has gone through and again you know hindsight is 2020 we can look at what he's done but when he was hired everyone considered him a home run hire right Um, I remember uh, you know I was uh, writing for Bleacher Report at the time and the NFL writers could not believe that Harbaugh would even consider coming to Michigan and when I when I would tell them hey listen I have it on pretty good information Harbaugh is going to be here they laughed about it because he had so many he was considered such an elite candidate for the NFL that no one would no one could uh, they couldn't even contemplate that he would come back here. So when he came back here, it looked like 
all the tumblers, all the cosmic tumblers were in place and, and we were going to be on for a, a really great run. So if a guy with Harbaugh's uh, pedigree, both collegiately and professionally and, and as, a, as a pro coach in the NFL, can't succeed here, what does that say about the situation? Okay, and again, I think that's those are things to discuss for for another time. We don't know that there's going to be a coaching change, but I think it's definitely something that we have to consider. Is that, uh, um, you know, I think the the fear that I've always had in the back of my mind is that if somebody like Harbaugh can't succeed here, who can? Okay, what factors are are impacting the situation, and how has the the landscape changed? Um, you know, we can always point to, uh, you know, the rumors we hear about the SEC, about bags of money showing up and recruits and everything, and we can laugh and ha-ha about that. But what we're seeing right now in the program, and, and I think this is the thing that really disappoints me, you know, I went back and I tortured myself and I went back and watched, um, you know, I, I ignored the Minnesota game because that's the outlier at this point. I watched Michigan State. I watched Wisconsin. Um, I watched a Michigan team that has degraded over over three losses, right? You know, Indiana, Michigan State, Wisconsin. I saw a team that at a, at a fundamental level, you need to be able to block and tackle, and they can't do either, okay? And that points to something fundamentally wrong, Okay. It points to a team that has lost its confidence, that has, that has lost its direction. And, you know, you're always going to have a drop-off in play. You know, we can say, hey, the expectation is for the position, not the player. But you're always going to have a drop-off when you lose a player like Aiden Hutchinson, when you lose a player like Quiddy Pay. But we're, we're fundamentally failing at football 101. And I think that's the thing that, that genuinely concerns me when I – when I look back at the last three games and that's why I'm super concerned, epically concerned about Saturday. Cause if you can't block and you can't tackle, um, you know, you're not playing flag football. Okay. You're going to have some serious issues. Yeah. And the, the test case against Rutgers this coming Saturday, you know, this, this defense right now in SP plus is ranked 90th, you know, which is five slots behind where Minnesota is right now. That's, that means that you should be able to be successful. It, you know, at least we should see the offensive line being able to to get a push up front. We should be able to protect the quarterback. We should see guys getting open um, down the field in terms of receivers and tight ends. So the you know the Rutgers team is more comparable if you're to start kind of grouping these um, than the three games they lost. The the three games they lost. Um, were against, uh, you know, a top 25 defense in Michigan State, top 30 defense with Indiana, and then Wisconsin right now is ranked second in defense. So those are those are tougher defenses. And, and if we are going to kind of accept that Michigan is not good enough to be competing with those top-tier defenses, this Rutgers team is not that, right? Michigan cannot look this Saturday against Rutgers, they cannot look the same as they have the last three weeks uh, on offense and on defense uh, against Rutgers, that, that Rutgers offense is 112 out of 118 programs. 
they have managed to to put some points on the board with some short fields, but they are usually two or three drives of three and outs and punts, and then then they'll put something together um, and, and score, and then it's more two more three and outs or three more three and outs. They're very very hit and miss. Um, so again, the defensively. You, you can't give up 30 points to this offense. You, you can't. You can't. You cannot do it um, and, and still say that there's there's anything resembling a, a foundation left on the program. So this is the uh, this is the, 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 the bottom stair of the basement. You absolutely have to go out there and show that you're you're as prepared to play as a Rutgers team that's got to be licking their chops to, to make another primetime statement um, with a first-year coach. And Michigan's got to – they got to come out and execute the game plan that they put together. They've got to play with um, enough fire and passion um, that they, you know, can take uh, some of the things that are going to happen in this game, you know, because I, I do expect Rutgers to show on both sides of the ball they're going to make some things happen. Michigan's not going to steamroll this team. So um, Michigan's going to have to be able to take a punch and and deliver a few back. And um, where I'm really interested to see is if this game is close as I expect it to be in the second half, who can then execute and make plays under pressure? Um, because right now I'm sure it feels like a mountain of pressure um, at Schembechler Hall uh, on every individual starting with the head coach and all the way down to the the kicker, punter, and long snapper, right? Everybody is probably feeling kind of a monkey on their back. So it's going to take a, a real um, mental toughness and a, and a leadership mentality to be able to go out and execute um, when the pressure from this game starts also piling on and, and that monkey starts to grow. So it, it will it'll be interesting to see who that is. Um, I do think that Michigan's going to actually take that step forward. Somebody will step forward and make those plays that are necessary in the second half. Um, I just I don't know who it's going to be. So I, I I did predict Michigan to win. Uh, I picked Michigan 33 and Rutgers 27. Um, I think last time I saw the, a Vegas line, it was 10 and a half. I would definitely I would not uh, I would not pick Michigan to cover 10 and a half points. That's for sure. And the SP plus. Like I said, something like 19 points right now. Um, I, I'd love to see that. I, I would, but um, I, 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 I would be shocked. I'd be almost as shocked to see Michigan blow out Rutgers as I was to see Michigan lose in, in week two to Michigan State. It would be a total total shrug, and, and I, I have no idea what's going on if Michigan can win by 20 points. So, Clint, um I know, uh, being you know, growing up in Michigan, you've been to Cedar Point. Um, do you remember a ride there called Demon Drop? Oh yeah, of course. Okay, so there's a there's a variation of that ride at Hollywood Studios called Tower of Terror, and so the Demon Drop ride scared the crap out of me. Okay, I, and I think you know that's the point. It scared a lot of people. But what the Tower of Terror is is you take the Demon Drop and you put it in pitch. You're in pitch black. Right. You go up and down in the dark and you don't know when you're done. And that's what this season reminds me of. Right. I hope that we've fallen as far as we can. I, I really don't know. 
Um, you know, I, I try again, I, I watched the last three games trying to find, you know, something to build on. And it really seemed like we were getting worse and worse. And part of that is that Wisconsin's a better team, right? I mean, you do have to take that into mm-hmm. account. Mm-hmm. Um, but like right now, you know, we're talking about lines and spreads and, you know, in, in the Phil Callahan, uh, you know, house, I would take this one off. Okay. I, I can't even, I can't even take bets on this. I don't even know what I would do. Um, you know, my heart hopes that, um, you know, we've fallen as far as we will and, you know, we're going to see a team bounce back and, and be heroic and, you know, maybe, maybe we're going to see a, a, a jumbled lineup, different guys in, and, and we're going to see the coaching adjustments we need to be successful. Um, but after watching the last three games in, in succession, one after another, I, 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 I just, I can't, I can't count on that. And, and again, I, I, you know, we talked about after, you know, after last week's game that it, it, it's not really a fun way to spend a Saturday night. Um, I am dreading spending Saturday night watching Michigan Rutgers. And that's, that's a really sad place for me to be. So I, I hope, um, you know, the last time I felt like this, I remember watching Michigan Maryland in Brady Hoke's last season. And it was actually a really nice day for November, relatively warm. And I remember getting up and not wanting to go to the game. And if you had told me that, you know, I wouldn't be excited about going to the big house and seeing Michigan play, you know, in perfect weather and last game of the season, um, you know, I, I would I probably would have said you're crazy, right? And uh, I, I'm, I, I, I'm dreading Saturday. I, I hope it's okay. I hope it turns out. But I'm, uh, I'm really in a, in a dark place as far as my expectations for Michigan's football. I hope that they can turn it around again. Uh, you know, uh, you know, again, we get, uh, you know, we're exposed to the guys. We get to, we're able to talk to them. There's a lot of great guys and great players on this team. They're not playing as a team right now. I, I hope they can turn it around. Uh, you know, there's guys who are having their last season and, and uh, want to have put good things on tape so that they can look, have a good chance to go on to a pro career. And, uh, Man, the tape is real ugly right now. Yeah, you mentioned one additional thing that I think is important is that I, th- I think we're going to see some new faces and some new names out there in the two deep, um, whether they're true freshmen um, or or guys that have been down the depth chart. Uh, we've heard it a couple times from Jim Harbaugh that that if guys have been causing problems in in practice as uh, scout team players, then you know, they need to put them out there and give them an opportunity to, to cause problems for Michigan in the game. And, you know, opening it up and giving additional guys uh, opportunities, you know, could also be a spark that, that lights a fire. Seeing somebody um, have some success, you know, out of nowhere, kind of an unsung hero, sometimes that can light a fire for, for a team uh, as they rally around kind of an underdog player. So there, there are a lot of a lot of possibilities. Um, I think that um, the the recruiting and, and the talent that Michigan has um, didn't just disappear and evaporate. There there are challenges, obviously, to how that talent is developing over time. Um, 
that that may be another indictment of of the coaching staff. But right now, we know that the the guys are talented, and this is a program that Michigan is is on paper going to be more talented than the guys across from them um, in almost every case, even even with the injuries that we see. So it will simply be who wants to win more this Saturday and, and who can actually step up and execute what is necessary. So um, hopefully we, we've still got guys that, that kind of embrace a challenge like that. It's certainly a, a steep hill to climb. It's hard to get uh, to get yourself really pumped up for, um, you know, for a game that once you've lost some of the uh, goals that you set for yourself and for your team. But right now, um, I, I hope that this team feels more like a, a, an animal that's backed into a corner, you know, because I think your point about nationally and even regionally, there's a lot of folks that are going to be tuning in just to see Michigan fall on their face. And, and maybe they can, maybe the players and coaching staff can kind of rally together in a, a you know, Michigan versus everybody kind of of um, mentality that any one of those things can cause the spark that, that brings everybody together. And if they play the way that they're capable of playing, then they should win the game and we should at least have an idea that we've, uh, we've seen the bottom, we've seen the basement, and, and it's time to start crawling back up the stairs. I wonder what Dylan McCaffrey is thinking right now you know I was surprised when he decided to transfer you know I'm and let's just take the name out of it I'm always surprised when a quarterback loses uh, a battle to start right and decides to leave the program and one of the reasons I'm surprised is that when we look back at practically every year very rarely does the starting quarterback um, finish the season right you know Things happen, and you get an opportunity, and especially this year, you know, uh, of course, no one could have foreseen, you know, Michigan struggling, but, you know, you look at it, and, uh, you know, if you're a competitor, I, I think you stay and you compete, and, uh, and, and you know, you get an opportunity. So it's interesting to see, um, you know, I don't think we would have anticipated a quarterback battle quite like this. I mean, this is an injury, but Joe Milton's definitely on the hot seat. And, uh, you know, Michigan's looking for a, a savior at any position. So um, I think this just, you know, exasperates, you know, the situation of you never know what's going to happen, right? So um, it'll be interesting to see if we see different guys out there. It'll be interesting. You know, I, I think that I, I really think that um, they need Josh Gaddis needs to cut down the number of running backs in there. You need to you need to. Let somebody be out there and just see if they can pound and find a way through. Um, but again, hopefully we'll have a, a a big Michigan victory to talk about, and we can feel a little bit more optimistic and and we'll know where the bottom of this is. So, so that's going to do it for this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Derringer. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for UMGoBlue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.